Alright, what is up everybody? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined by my good friend JW Crewall, and this week we have a special guest with us, John Mastawi, a local player from Ohio who just came off a fantastic finish in Collinsville. Everybody, how are we doing today? Doing great, John. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good, man. It's feeling very good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. This is really uh, an exciting time. We are trying to just invite guests uh, that we know have, uh, you know, either been in the game a long time, done something special, and you certainly have uh, fit the bill. So we're very happy to have you here and uh, happy to get uh, into the interview. I appreciate it. Sounds good. Yeah. So for those of you who are unaware, this past weekend in Collinsville, Illinois, there was an expanded regional championship. We kind of covered it. A little bit this last week uh, talking about the fear we had of stall decks and all sorts of crazy archetypes <laughs> that might appear and expanded and lo and behold john kind of fulfilled the prophecy and took his pyroar attacking hoopa kind of a little bit of everything stall deck all the way to top four finish bringing home the glass so before we get deep in the tournament though i just want to know like a little bit more about you john so you know how long have you been playing Pokemon? Who are you within the game? What's your favorite Pokemon, maybe? What are some things that we can use to get to know you? Sure. Um, I guess, first and foremost, I reign from Cincinnati, Ohio, or my uh, hometown's in Cincinnati. I moved up to Sandusky, so I play um, in the northern Ohio region where it's pretty competitive. You know, full grip's just an hour and a half away. Um, there's a lot going on here. And uh, I've been playing, my first tournament was in 2006. So I've always been, I've always had my, my foot in the water of competitive play, whether it was a pre-release, um, a random national that I decided to go to in 2008. I was always, I was always interested in the game. Yeah, that's a I long took time. hiatuses here and there. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but after I graduated from from college, I decided that hey, I've got, I've got a little bit of an expendable income now. <laughs> I can start getting serious about the game. And last year, um, I decided to to make it my first competitive season to grind it out, get into worlds, and start playing competitively. Heck cool. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And you're on a pretty good tear this season, John. You have uh, three top 16 placements. Obviously, the most recent was a top four. Uh, kind of walk us through maybe this year and uh, what has changed from either last year to this year or what has changed either from the last two years to when you first started getting into the game at, in 2006. Right. So in 2006, I'm, I'm a senior. Dad still drives me around to tournaments. I'm getting excited when I pull a random EX card. I'm still getting excited about the holographics that I pulled. And you're um, starting yeah. to think about how to put them into your deck. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> right? bro, like, I, wasn't, I wasn't even sleeping my stuff back then. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> the game's changed significantly. Yeah. Um, last year last year was definitely, um, if there was a, a bad year to pick to, to start the grind, it was last year. 550 CP, like, what? It's that, that was wild. But yeah. I attended as many cups as I could, as many challenges as I could, and uh, a few regionals here and there, and was able to, to land it. But this year, I decided to take a more conservative approach. I wasn't sure if I thought the grind was going to be worth it. But at Worlds, when they announced that it was going to be in London, uh, I got really hyped. So I said, okay. All my friends that I told I was going to quit, they, they were like, John, really? Because I didn't quit, of course. <laughs> and uh, I started to put more time into preparation, into mm -hmm. looking at the, the meta forecasts, into picking the best um, the best deck for the field. And I've only attended these three regionals, three cups, and I think like nine challenges. And I, I earned points at seven of the nine challenges, uh, points at two of the three cups, and done pretty successfully in, in these three regionals. 
and spending more time methodically um, wondering and asking questions about what people are expecting, what people are going to bring, then acting upon those. I think I've been able to get more bang for my buck, so to speak, uh, sure. during this season. Sure. That's cool. That's cool. So, John, what is your favorite Pokemon and what is your favorite Pokemon card? We'll start there. Sure, sure. Uh, favorite Pokemon has always been Espeon. I know it's kind of cliche with the Evolutions thing, but um, just always really like that Pokemon. Favorite card? Um, that's tough. I like, I think Espeon EX from Unseen Forces is really cool. It's just a gorgeous card, just from the foil to all the cards, all the X cards from that era were just sort of, yeah. they're just, oh man, but that specific one is just like very captivating and uh, <laughs> it's like at the front of my Espeon binder, so. Oh, that's it. awesome. And that's, uh, that's also the name of your PTCGO account. Please don't. That doesn't need to be broadcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's watched my oh, stream. They'll know that John has uh, quit more than once uh, in a streamed game. So, yeah, I, sorry. You're getting called out, bro. You're getting called out. And That's it, funny. This is a, it is a no-leaks account. It is a no-leaks account for sure. No-leaks culture is real. Man. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, Espeon is a, is a classic for sure. I know Espeon carried me through uh, Pokemon Coliseum back in the day. That's oh, what a great up, game. <laughs> throwback yeah for yeah, sure no haven't thought about that in a long time yeah well umbreon just didn't do a lot of damage espion was complete opposite it did tons of <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's a beefy boy yeah umbreon is very beefy he he in some ways did more damage than espion because he would survive more than one hit so <laughs> ah yeah sure sure that's uh definitely something to consider so uh john you talk about your um you're getting more bang for your buck uh, in terms of going to maybe more of the bigger events and then putting your all into those. What's kind of your favorite part of the game in general or going to a regionals? Um, the preparation uh, is, is easily the, it's the most stressful. But it's also the most fun because that's when you can see um, the gears turn. You know, you get a couple guys to focus on one idea and you know maybe you're you know, you're going grocery shopping you're pushing the cart and you're thinking about your deck and you're like picking up an apple and you're like wait a second what if we cut this card and added a different card <laughs> or you're at the gym you're mid curl and you're like wait a second what if we cut these two cards and add these two cards instead this happened to me a couple of times throughout my preparation for knoxville my preparation for for collinsville and i would just either you know i'd, I'd randomly message one of my testing partners and be like look what if and then we test the idea when I when I got home and it would work out and that's that's when the validation came that's when it felt really good to uh, to be playing the game sure sure now I have this kind of um, obsession sometimes in certain formats and with certain decks of finding the perfect 60 cards is that ever something that you adhere to as well oh of course of course you always want to have what you feel to be the best 60 because I mean if you're taking a test and you get 98. I don't know about you guys, but my personal, my first impression is, what, where are those two points? Where do those go wrong? Uh-huh. Yeah, where did I go wrong? So if I'm playing at a tournament and I'm like realizing that one card is dead, I'm just like, why am I even playing this card? Yeah. Where did I go wrong in my preparation? So sure. I always look for that perfect 60 as well. Cool. 
Cool. So you, uh, yeah, speaking of Perfect 60, you know, you obviously brought a very, very strong stall deck to Collinsville. And I think we'll transition over there now. Um, talk to us a little bit about the Collinsville tournament. Uh, just give us like a general overview kind of going into the tournament. What were you expecting and what were the techs in your deck that you played to counter the things that you expected to do well? Okay. Yeah, the, the top three decks that I um, had in mind going into the tournament was Alternate Grozma, Zacian V, and probably Turbo Dark, I think, were the, the main three. Um, so Zacian V, fantastic for so many reasons. The ability, doing 220 damage for three energy with Metal Saucer, I mean, unheard of. And with the Intrepid Sword ability, just cards complete gas. Cards insane. For so sure. <laughs> the, I, I, I checked the Sudowoodo with watch and learn as a way to combat that. I don't want my stall to be a complete stall deck. I think that it needs to have inherent outs to different Pokemon that you can expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got in the, he, he slid in there, Ultra Necrozma, obviously being hyped up by, by you guys, other content creators. So I snuck the dolls back into the deck to give myself some more time to Faba, the double dragon energy away. Sure. And um, thankfully hit some of those, uh, those archetypes. I didn't hit any turbo dark. Um, right. Yeah, Turbodark seemed kind of on the low in yeah. Collinsville, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Ben Cryer was the one that took it the furthest, but didn't yeah. crack top eight either. So um, no. maybe this could be this could require a, a renaissance for the Turbodark archetype as a whole, moving into Charlotte. Don't know what that'll look like just yet, but um, yeah, it's, it was interesting, to say the least. Oh, for sure. So... Overall, it seemed like your expectations kind of aligned with reality. Um, a lot of those decks didn't end up populating many of the tables in the tournament. Not always towards the top, because I think a lot of people had their eyes on those decks, but I'm sure you hit more than one of those <laughs> of those matchups. Now, obviously, though, in an expanded tournament, it's really hard to narrow down to just a couple matchups. So what did you do to keep your deck in sync with like the metagame as a whole, given that it's so vast? Yeah, so what I think my deck does well is because it's it doesn't commit um, all the slots to being a stall deck. I know that there were doll stall players that were playing, they were playing the four doll and then the four robo sub. I don't play the robo subs because I don't want to get item locked to oblivion. I don't want to um, commit those four, four techs to um, a matchup in which they won't be helpful. Instead, I put the pseudo wudo in. Um, I found those extra three slots to be for Pyroar. And those single handed me single handedly won me the Zacian V matchups. And mm-hmm. there was like an ADP uh, Zacian deck that I played against and Pyroar swept. It was fantastic. So I think that having you know, you can you can get away with the one ofs, the two ofs in expanded format because of the, your ability to pick out those uh, those singular cards in your deck. Mm-hmm. And just having enough of those, despite how they may might seem like inconsistent uh, inconsistencies at surface value, um, can get you all the way sure absolutely um i'm looking here at the pokemon in your list you had pyroar you had hoopa you had draftrig mimikyu with impersonation uh sudowoodo watch and learn the durant with chip off bunnelby munchlax lugia is your head spinning i mean you just had a ton of pokemon here um was it ever was there ever a uh, matchup that you had to like um maneuver between a bunch of your techs that made it particularly difficult yeah so one specific matchup it was actually the adp zacian matchup that i alluded to earlier um he, that player was also playing noivern gx 
Mm. And um, Brady, we were on the same 60. He had played that. Um, it played him in day one and lost. So uh, we talked after the match, and he was like, dude, I think this is an auto loss. You got to balance between walling the, the GX Pokemon and uh, the Zacian, and then the, the Noivern could come out of nowhere and uh, could ruin your day. Sure. And I needed to beat this player and then my round 14 opponent to make it into the top eight. That's where I was in day two. And so when I went hit, when I hit him, my heart kind of sunk because I was like, how am I going to maneuver between these between my right. Pokemon? Um, what I did was I tried to figure out how many Noivern he was playing. And when I found out that he was only playing one, the only thing I had in my mind was I got to get rid of this Noivern either by milling it, discarding it from his hand, or by killing it. So whether it was targeting the Noibat before it could evolve, using Chip Off and Praying, or Burrowing, I just prioritized either Pokemon that was perfect for that situation during the round, and I eventually won because of that. Sure, sure. Did it go to three games? It did go to three games. Yeah, I lost game one, but then um, got lucky off the chip off in game two, and <laughs> yep. he had to he, he discarded it game three. So I'm um, oh, wow. cruise. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there it goes. Cool. Cool. Very good. So um, Collinsville, you know, you you had these kind of decks in your mind uh, that you were expecting. What was maybe the most out there deck that you just like had real no no real game plan for, or that kind of caught you by surprise? Oh, yeah. Colton's in uh, top four. His Eggro, Exeggutor, Egg, Eggland's best deck, whatever that was. Uh, I was like, I, I, oh, I didn't know what was going on. That deck was uh, crazy. It was, holy cow. Yeah, if I went back in time and replayed that game with the deck knowledge that I had in game two, then I feel like it would have been fine. But game one, it was just like, what are you doing, bud? You got a lot of executor in that deck. <laughs> sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So um, going into uh, going into day two, what were some of your, I don't know, just the matchups that you really enjoyed or like particular games that you can remember that you just want to, I don't know, reminisce about or, or have, um, have in auto, audio lore, you know, forever recorded orally for the masses to hear in the future. All right. Uh, immediately, I can just disavow rounds 10, 11, and 12 that were against Trevnoir. Um, they were not, like, no way. They, they were miserable. Um, oh, wow. But, yeah, yeah. That was just Trev after Trev after Trev. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like, What's Tom doing to me here? Yeah. Uh, but my top eight match against Andrew Mahone, um, that Snorlax DMX matchup, um, what a ride. What a ride. That was uh, – it's crazy. Yeah. Talk to us a little bit about it. Yeah. Um, I was thrilled that three Ohioans made it into the top eight, me, Zach Cooper, and Andrew. So we were like, oh, this is great. Ohio had a fantastic showing, et cetera. Um, but when I saw that I was playing against Andrew, I was like, oh, man, it, it would have been cool if we got to meet in top four of the finals. But here it was. Mm -hmm. The matchup is generally, in my opinion, favored for, for my deck because you have enough dolls. You can – Lost, get lost the uh, triple acceleration and move on about your day, no problem. But um, I had learned that he was playing Target Whistle and Dowsing Machine and two special charts. So Andrew was packing; he was ready to go <laughs> against Saw. I was like, okay, this is and then this is a matchup where four subs would be uh, would be helpful. Right. But I was obviously Sans four subs. Um, in game one, I wasn't really doing much of anything for like four or five turns. I had like two teammates in my hand. I had like a giraffic in my active spot and a doll in my on my bench, and that was it. He eventually stingered me and continued to end me into nothing. 
and the game was over. So that felt bad. But game two, I was able to set up, get my get my dolls out, and despite he uh, stingering me, I was able to uh, get a really nasty chip off on his hand. Mm. There was uh, he had he was he was stockpiling for a, for a big play, and there was just a moment in my heart where I was like, I feel it. I got a chip <laughs> off right now. So I ninja void into the Durant, announced chip off, and discarded three triple acceleration energy. Oh, let's go! Wow. <laughs> I mean, I felt like an absolute baller i was like this is the ant was ant saved my life like the, the ant man was he was he was fantastic yeah. and at that point he had four triple acceleration in his discard pile because he had oh, used yeah. one to kill something else um and after he i think he had like an access to a target whistle and like one more special charge i was able to calculate that if i could just get rid of um get rid of any of the pokemon in my discard or as long as he as long as i had enough dolls out he couldn't win the game gotcha so, I was able to, to take that one from him. But game three was, that was another ride. I felt bad because Andrew was drawing incredibly dead for the first few, few turns. I got all four dolls up and time was called. At which point he's the only one that can take a knockout to win the game. Cause we were both at six prizes. Right. And, um, before time was called, however, he was forced to bench and execute in order to draw cards to get the steam off of the shaman. We do our plus three turns and, He's got like seven Pokemon on his bench with Altaria. So now I can't take a knockout if I want to watch and learn something if he tries to attack a doll. Sure. And I'm, I use Steven's Resolve just because I got to find something. I got to do something. And yeah. um, mm-hmm. I'm thumbing through my deck. Then Lit Leo. I see Lit Leo. I'm like, okay, wait a second. You realize. I look at his bench. <laughs> There's an Execute. Pretty HP. I got Lit Leo with his deck. I can attack with double colorless energy. I picked double colorless energy. I'm praying to God that I have Guzma in my deck. Guzma's in my deck. I wow. keep my cool. I put the three cards in my hand, and then I pray. Do Andrew, do not end me, or I will unsubscribe from your YouTube channel. <laughs> do not end me. Do not end me. Once yeah. he plays Winona, once he plays Winona, yeah. I pray a little harder. Do not have Field Blower and blow away right. your egg right. off the bench. Right. Do not blow away, and he does not do that either. I draw my card for the turn. I play the Litleo down. I goose him up to execute. I attach double color with synergy, and I'm in top four. That, wow. So you I didn't know if the Litleo could do that even until the moment it happened. Well, I mean, I'm never attacking. I, <laughs> I, I knew he, he's in the deck so he can retreat for free. He's in the deck so he can retreat for free. Sure, and, that's funny. And I think, it's, I think it's better that I played it off kind of uh, oblivious to the, the Litleo attack because maybe yeah. my weather, because body language is such a key component to, to card games from poker to, to this. Maybe I was able to let on the fact that I was clueless, that I was hopeless, and um, maybe I don't know if Andrew was able to, to, to gauge that for me or not. I don't know. Did, uh, did uh, when you chill. made that play? When you made that play? I mean, Andrew's you know Andrew's a good uh, he's a good sport about oh, things, for sure. you know. Yeah. So when you made that play, did he like you know was he like oh man I had the field blower in my hand like could he have made a counter play than the one that he did? I think you just said he should have end. He just said he should have end. Ah, and that was it. Okay, so he just he just didn't know that you could that you had the capability to take a knockout, and so he just didn't end. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. I mean, hey, that's that's great. I mean, what were you <laughs> feeling you. when you uh, when you did it? I mean, what were you feeling when you took that knockout in a, a way that your deck just doesn't win? You won with uh, just what was that feeling of going to top four and like having you know furthering your chances of winning the tournament? Yeah, I mean, it reminded me of why I play the game. I'm a competitor by heart. 
and uh, being able to dig deep and discover a way to, to win despite the odds being against me. I mean, it's, it's why you play the Pokemon Trading Cards game. It feels really good, and coming out on top despite the circumstances, I mean, what more can you ask? Yeah. Absolutely, man. That's so, awesome. You just beat Andrew Mahone. You're moving on to top four against Colton Day's Executor deck. Before you get into how that kind of series went, what were you thinking for that matchup? What was your game plan? How are you going to approach that? To be honest, I was not. <laughs> I knew that there was like uh, there was like some blockading involved. Um, there was like energy removal also. Yeah, there was a lot I, going I, on. I did, I, I did, there, there was a lot going on. There was there's so much. I was honestly thinking it'd be more of a streamlined aggro deck, um, and thought that I could just run him over with Pyroar. Um, figured out mid game that this was not the route, and I had to like <laughs> redo so many things. And I, uh, so I had to I had to definitely backpedal off that, but. I thought maybe if I could keep Pyro in my active spot, Munchlax on the bench, you know, recycle fire energy and just scorching Fang for the for the entirety of the 75 minutes, I'd walk away you know, a thousand dollars more rich. But mm. that that was that inevitably did not be the case. Was not the case uh, because you uh, removed a lot of energy. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You did. So, and I could not use supporters either. <laughs> yeah, so let's right, talk about right. a little bit more about the nuance of that game. Game one, I was I was watching from the sidelines. It looked like the lock was pretty heavy hitting game one. But you said that you had new knowledge in game two, and you ended up winning game two, I think pretty aggressively, right? With some aggressive right. burrows from like turn two. So yeah. overall, looking back, let's hit on how the match actually went. But if you could do it over, what were things that you would do differently? Mm-hmm. The first thing I would have done differently, well, let me just uh, throw a disclaimer out there. You cannot, when you have Mimikyu uh, in the active spot using impersonation, you cannot use Gladian. Gladian goes straight to the discard pile. You cannot search your prize cards and pick a prize card from your from there. Correct. Um, uh, the supporter just dies. Yes. And the key component of my prize cards was Bunnelby and a double colorless energy in game one. And so not having access to those uh, was a big blow to my chances. The re- only reason I didn't scoop, I'll just throw this out there as well, was because he had like, a few cards left in deck, and in my brain, I was like, was I don't looking, want to lose this close. chance to melt. Yeah. Exactly. I don't want to lose this. I don't want to burn these 40 minutes of game time if he's got so, so few cards left in deck. If I don't see, I didn't see his Tate and Liza for a little bit. I didn't know if he played Bell Elba or not. So my brain is like, if I can keep manually retreating, shuffle them back, or put them, keep putting them on top of my deck with Snack Search, I might have a chance. But he played Bell Elba. He played Tate and Liza. That's how it went. Right. I would. The game, I adjusted my game plan for um, game two by using supporters with impersonation, just consistently switching between the Giraffe Rig, the Bunnelby, and the Durant. So I controlled his hand, uh, milled his deck, and was able to play my own cards with Mimikyu all the while he was doing 10 damage. Right. So, and that's what, that, that's what I would have done differently in game one. And I yeah. That was what was up. So overall, do you think your deck has a, a fair shot against the matchup? Do you think it's even favored if you go very aggressive with milling? Like, it seemed like kind of a blowout in game two. That game was over very fast. Yeah, yeah. I think that it's I think that it's slightly favorable. It's not favorable. So, I mean, that's just, just it's part of the fun of Expanded, though, because you can build these wonky decks, these unique decks that no one's ever tested against. Right, right. they're not ready. I think, <laughs> exactly. And I think that's part of the reason why stall decks... Um, might might work is with deck knowledge and having an idea of what your opponent is playing you can maneuver around their outs be prepared for their outs um 
I was not prepared for this guy's outs or this guy's back. So <laughs> I, I, I had no round game one, but sure. It is what it is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, congratulations on a fantastic run. Top four is nothing to scoff at, although I'm sure you wanted to see that Trevnar in the finals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have plenty about to say about Trevnar later, but JW, I believe you had some questions for oh, John boy. as well. Oh, yes, John. Um, we had, just to break up a little bit of this interview, I want to ask you a couple of rapid-fire questions. Okay, are you ready? So it's going to be this or that, either or, okay? I'm ready to go. All right, ready? Cat or dog? Dog. Pepsi or Coke? Coke. Apple or Android? Apple. All right. Winter or summer? Summer. Phone call or text? Phone call. Mullet or mutton chops? (laughs) Neither. Nuggies or tendies? Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, Nuggies. Pokemon Red or Pokemon Blue? Blue. Officer Jenny or Nurse Joy? Officer Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 1,000 Pokemon or 1 billion lions? Oh, 1,000 Pokemon. Whoa! All right. Maybe a controversial take, but uh, 1,000 Pokemon. All right. Interesting, interesting. Um, All right. So now uh, now that we're in your head even more, (laughs) and you were just alluding to this and talking about this right before um how do you build and succeed with these rogue decks like what is it that draws you to um rogue what is it that draws you specifically in these last um you know your last few finishes to stall what is it about kind of going off of the beaten path that really draws you in the um, so I'll, I'll take Lucario Melmetal for example. I think that was probably my most creative build um, in this, at least in this format or in this this season. The idea of playing something that people don't don't expect is an inherent advantage already. If you bring something that people don't don't know about, are unfamiliar with, the quote fear of the unknown um, is enough to either get into a player's head is to is enough to frustrate them sometimes. And it's enough to sometimes make them make, an, make a suboptimal play because they aren't sure what you have going on. And I think that's really cool. I think that's part of the reason why Pokemon is so fun. It's because somebody can come out of, come out of nowhere with a weird card. I think that the Obstacoon deck that took OCIC by storm is a great example. Despite it being, quote, a meme or something uh, that players disrespected, I forgot his name, but he took it upon himself to, to prove people wrong and to, like, to body so many people. And, yeah. like, claps to him. I mean, kudos One to him Puerto for Rico doing so well, well today. While you were in console. Exactly. Right. Right. And um, uh, Tim Bartles. Tim. Good. Yep. Shout out to Tim. Shout out to Tim for his performance there. Um, and I think the allure of – I don't really care for the whole social component of uh, of being hailed as uh, this rogue guy or whatever, but it's a little cool when people are like, yo, what's, what's John playing? Or better yet, what's Frank Persick playing? What's this Roxy Chomp thing? What is this new Cramorant deck that he's built? And um, I personally um, love seeing that guy's, uh, that guy's work because Frank's just a mastermind in, in how he approaches deck building also. And, and just looking at his list on Limitless, 
that dude had so much going on and that just that's really cool right yeah. that dude that, he's he's got everything in there he that's has, the signature he, of a frank deck i feel like because it has everything sure. <laughs> yeah 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 i mean and sometimes it sometimes it works well sometimes it flops but i mean when it's got frank person's signature on there it's, it's at least worth a gander and that's what kind of draws me to playing those rogue or off the wall decks okay okay so would you say that you enjoy just having like the I don't know. Would you say you enjoy the prestige that comes with it at all? I like, mean, would you, cool. you enjoy but that? The the goal of the game eventually, ultimately, is to, is to win. Is to win. But if you can do so with a little bit of swag, you know, with, <laughs> with a little bit of a with a little bit of spice, a little flair. Yeah. I mean, right, right, right. I think that's in putting your own little stamp on the on the deck that you yeah. created or something like that. Why not? Why not? Yeah. When I look at the Dallas results, and I see Roxy Chomp. I'm, I will forever think that was Frank's deck, and I think for Frank, that's uh, that's something he should be proud of, and that's something that um, he can he can carry as a player um, for for as many years as he wants to, to compete with. And so I think that's that's, that's pretty cool. For sure, yeah. I think you're, if you were full clout chaser, you'd be really cashing in on social media likes, which I don't think you really oh, yeah. do at all. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> so not full on clout chase. How do you know when to approach like a rogue strategy, right? So you've come up with yeah. all sorts of a little bit off the wall strategies. You know, your expanded deck a little less so than Lucario Mel Metal, but I still I still think it was a little non traditional. What to you speaks to a deck being that's the thing you want to test with and, and work on. Because what I find is rogue decks will take a lot more work than an established archetype to really get to their potential. So how do you know when you want to dive down that rabbit hole? Thankfully in expanded, it's pretty easy because the card pool is so big and there are a lot of, un, uh, there are a lot, it's a relatively unexplored format. And when new sets come out, um, it just opens the gates. Um, and let's pretend I'm going to Toronto this uh, next weekend, which I'm not. I probably wouldn't play something cute or rogue simply because there's uh, I, I don't have a lot of experience with the format right now. <laughs> um, I have two, I have like a, barely a week to prepare, and uh, right. just the, the, the established archetypes. I don't think they have um, they don't have a whole lot of weaknesses that cards that I see in the card pool can uh, capitalize on. Um, sure. When sure. when the format seems to be played out. Like it was in Knoxville with with Mewtwo, Pikaram, um, Abilizard. That's when in my brain I'm like, okay, because these are the three or four established decks. Let me go back into PTCGO, click on Show Not Owned, and start looking for stuff. And <laughs> having the experience from the League Cup that I had the week prior when um, I played the Mill Metal deck in top four. Uh, okay, let me let me take this idea, um, polish it up a little bit, throw some other stuff in there, and ship it. That's kind of when I think that it's it's a it's a good time to um, to go for it. Yeah, so it's it almost seems like your philosophy is a little bit different in standard and expanded. Whereas expanded is such a sure. wide pool, you can kind of dive in early. Whereas standard has a limited pool, so you need a very narrow perspective on the meta, and then you can hone in on that perspective. Does that sound right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and expanded when you can you can go early because there's a, it's an unexplored meta. And standard, sometimes it's better to go a little later when the best decks are fleshed out and people's perceptions of the meta can 
can very easily be be flipped because you've got the you've got the ace in the hole, so to speak. Well, and I don't know if you feel this way, John, but uh, for for me, I, you know, I've been playing for a long time, and I've been playing before they even had an expanded format, and so have you. And so I wonder if you feel the same way that I do, where I almost feel that that expanded is the the thinking man's format where you just have so many cards available to you that that's not, that shouldn't be a weight upon you, but that should be a freedom. I love expanded. I love yeah. expanded way more than standard. Holy cow. Yeah. What a breath of fresh air. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I just, I just think that there are so many strategies, right. That you can, that there, that there are still left out there to uncover. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a beautiful format. So I agree. And let's let's not ignore the fact that there are some cards, especially based off of Collinsville, that are just that need to be removed. Right. Like, and like, Mimic, like Gengar Mimikyu needs to go. I feel like other cards like like Execute might need to go. Uh, I think perhaps maybe cards like Skyfield should leave. But mm-hmm. I think that at the end of the day, um, just the just the mass card pool and the the age of the format. It leaves a lot up to creativity and can leave a lot of room for, for players to grow. And the accessibility issue is is a real thing that I feel like PBCI uh, should uh, should approach and, and solve. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a I think it's the superior format. Mm-hmm. It's funny you kind of led us into our next topic. JW and I both are fans of oh. expanded, but certainly there are some problems that exist in the current expanded format. So we brought out a tweet in the post Collinsville world asking what people think of Expanded and what they would change if they could. And we got a pretty resounding negativity towards Trevenant and Dust Noir's deck especially, with a variety of solutions being proposed. I think the main main ones we're seeing are Melodic uh, and Gengar, but I've also seen people suggesting to ban Trev. I've seen people banning Skyfield or Egg. Um, you kind of alluded to that you think Gengar Mimikyu is the problem. Is there anything else that you think really speaks to you as being problematic in this format or in this deck? Um, and how would you approach adjusting the expanded format to make it something that's truly enjoyable for everyone? Mm-hmm. I think that the uh, the supporter rule also helped contribute to the tre- to Trevnor's success. Oh, I mean, when sure. you can't play a supporter card, when you can't play Bridget to find your three Zerua on your first turn, <laughs> Rest um, in peace, sorry. then you know, what, what are you supposed to do? I mean, Pablo lost to the Johnnings. Zorogarb in, in Dallas when the turn one supporter rule still existed. If that if we took all the decks from, from Collinsville, kept the turn one supporter rule, we would see an increase in Zorark play uh, which would be, in my opinion, a, a big boon to, to Trevnor's success. Um, but I don't think we'd see nearly as much Trevnor in day two if Zorark or other uh, setup decks primarily Zorark <laughs> were to we're still to be uh, relevant. Do I you think, think that, that would still be true, given the fact that these Trevnar decks have now really started implementing stuff like Garbodor? I think that for those um, four guys, Kenny, Will, Isaiah, and uh, Justin, like all the power to them. I don't. Not all the decks were playing. Not all the Trevnar in the room were playing the Garb. So Definitely. I, I would give. I, I would think, hey, they were creative. They solved the the matchup preemptively. Go for it. Sure. But I think that we can still. Um, we can still safely ban stuff like, like Mimigar because, or at least with the removal of the turn one supporter rule, because of the fact that I don't get to play a supporter card. Now I don't get to play any cards. And now I have one card in my hand. So I, <laughs> yeah, I think that wrong. in and of itself is pretty broken, too broken. Um, yeah. And if you're like, and I, okay, as a stall player, I know that I'm not, I'm like purposely not letting my opponent play the game, 
but it specifically hurt for me when I like barely play cards to begin with. So I play like my, my polka doll and like I might play glad I, I don't think it's like gladian, I'm sorry. I might play like a nest ball or something and then I get hand locked and then I lose like all cards but one card in my hand and then I'm just praying. Yeah. Tropical Beach or teammates. Right. And I lose the game. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's rough. It's rough out there for sure. I know a lot of people are really yeah. frustrated by the Trevnora deck. Do you think Gengar is the choice over the Melodic, though? I see Melodic has really gotten a lot of ire in the past couple of days from the community at large. I think just the Melodic there, yeah, I, you know, and John, you can speak to this too, just the Melodic, uh, when it was designed, and I think we always kind of look to that with the uh, intent of banning a card in the future, what was it designed to do? And Melodic wasn't never designed to go on to these thick, thick Pokemon. It was never designed to go on to a Pokemon like Trevenant and Dusnor. Like, it was never built to, you know, it even has the EX clause in it where it can't right. attach to EXs. So, um, you know, do, do you think that Melodic would be a good ban as well? Um, or maybe in addition to Gengar Mimikyu or one or the other? Yeah, I think that Milotic would be a cool ban. Um, the, the, like, Milotic is a card, an example of a card that did not age well. Sure. You know, if, if, it, if it's not hyphen GX on there, then we would be in a completely different situation. Um, but for a card that's been printed so many years ago and just doesn't have that, it's obviously being, um, being advantage of. And the fact that you can manipulate your prizes with, uh, with, in the combination with Ace Trainer and specifically Degenerate yeah. as well. I mean, some people argue that, oh, but if you don't ban Trevnoir, they'll find other ways to accelerate psychic energy. I mean, that's like two max elixirs. And I mean, while it's not completely out of the question, You'll force Trevnoir to have to play more than six psychic energy. You'll have to like have Trevnoir on your on your bench. I guess that's not the most difficult thing to, to do or have. But they they can't ace trainer without giving up a prize. Precisely, precisely. But so. just not having the Milotic would uh, force your opponent to actually do something before they have you to play like the Cofagrius. Cofagrius <laughs> with Max Elixirs. Thing, yeah. <laughs> Right. I guess right. it would probably be Magneton, right? Because you could grab Ace Trainer. That seems awful, though. I'm not going to lie. Don't give them any more ideas, bro. Don't give them any more ideas. Yeah, I might have just accidentally broken the next expanded board. Bro, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, no. That's funny. Well, you know, we'll see. But, but I, I think uh, I agree that Trevdar is a problem. Another problem yeah. that you called out and that I've called out myself is the accessibility of Expanded is getting worse and worse by the year. I mean, we're getting to the point where multiple people in day two are having to proxy multiple cards in their deck just because the copies we have left available are all warped. We're thinking particularly of computer search. <laughs> so We're calling you out, computer we're, search. We're, I am literally putting computer search on blast right now because the computer search is a problem for sure. <laughs> but even besides Ace Specs, the accessibility of cards is definitely a problem. How would you go about addressing that? Do you think even cards like Tropical Beach deserve a point where they need to be reprinted or remastered so that other players can access them? Um, from a purely business standpoint, it doesn't make any sense for TPCI to reprint these cards. And that's not the answer that people want to hear. And I don't think that's, uh, that's the answer that players want. But if I'm, you know, the CEO of the Pokemon Company International, or I'm printing these cards, um, I don't see why I would want to tank the value of a $400 card to to 5% of what it's worth right now. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, to be fair, the Pokemon it, Company doesn't get those $400. Well, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I think that, 
you want to keep the the allure of those cards high. And I, I just think it would be unfair for those that competed in, in Worlds in 2012 and 2013, 2011, 2012, um, to just immediately just to, just to reprint it. I think that it'd be cool to see like an errata. No, you can't errata computer search, but I might see like I might see either a rotation of those those that block of cards where A specs are um what's that black and white to legendary treasures. Yeah. Black and I could I could see a potential yeah, I could see a potential rotation for for that block. But I don't think that I would like that for, uh, personally. Yeah. I just don't think that uh, I just don't think that a reprinting would um, whatever occur. It might be the solution that people want. I know it is a solution that people want. I just don't think it'll happen. Yeah, I don't know about Beach in particular, but I I could definitely see them reprinting cards because I think actually the opposite is good for Pokemon because then they're getting the profits on these cards instead of the secondhand vendors. Um, that being said, though, I I don't know if reprinting like I don't think they could reprint Tropical Beach outside of a Worlds card. Um, sure. I don't think that's I just a hard stop. No, I have brought up the idea of like print the same card, but have it be different and give it the Professor Sycamore rule. And then you still have the prestigious tropical beats if you want to flex on people, but you give an option to accessible people. That would still probably half the value or more, but um, sure. it'd keep it. Well, there's not, I mean, there, and there is precedence for, um, the company to release more beaches into the player's hands. We have seen that in worlds, uh, in the past where there were side events where, uh, players put their hands on tropical beach. That could be another thing where it's not, um, as overt, but it's kind of a discreet beach side um, event at expanded regionals. That would be insane. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. Something like that where you're giving out, you know, maybe you're not giving out a thousand copies. Maybe you're not giving out, you know, uh, even 500 copies, but maybe you're giving out a hundred more copies to the player base, maybe just slightly reducing that, um, that, you know, accessibility issue. I don't, I don't know what the number is to be, uh, to be relevant, but you know what I mean? Where it's a a little bit more discreet, maybe it's through a side event uh, as opposed to a product that players could buy. So. Yeah, actually, now that you bring that up, there was a there was a side event at Nationals 2015, yeah, where yeah. you could win uh, a Numbreon Gold Star. Yo, and there was there was another. Yeah, 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 you had to plow through like nine or ten people. Just the best of one, best of one round. But oh I think, and I remember this because I lost my my second round by drawing so dead. But long, oh gosh, what's his name? I think it was like Long Bowie. Or something along those lines. He was playing. Uh, oh, Lady. Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't him. It, it might have been. I don't know. But he ended up on top with the Umbreon Gold Star. That's awesome. And I was just so jealous. Oh, it was amazing. There was there were other side events for like Wii U's and stuff like that. Uh, but I remember not, the guy not, specifically. Not, yeah. The Gold Star is in the top loader, and he's like, "This is the one." That's it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I you mentioned rotation as well. I think rotation is a tough thing to balance because I think that. Black and white cards aren't really that broken, besides a couple of them. Uh, like Egg, I think, is one of the most broken cards ever, and it just happens to be in black and white. I think XY actually has the highest percentage of problematic cards. You know, we, <laughs> we have stuff like the Pyroar, we have stuff like Skyfield, we have Shaman, we have VS Seeker, we have just Battle Compressor. But, but the problem, Riley, <laughs> oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Those, that feels like expanded to me. Right. That, no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, that's what expanded is. I'm just saying, like, yeah. rotating black white, like, doesn't fix expanded, you know? Like, sure. you still have all the cards that are problems. You just lose egg and 
comp search, you know. Like, and like Seismitoad, right? You would lose. No, Seismitoad is, is XY, bro. Like, oh yeah, XY okay, was right. just a problematic okay. era of Seriously. Pokemon. That <laughs> <laughs> you could do something like uh, like Yu-Gi-Oh does. They have a forbidden, limited, and semi-limited list that updates every few months. Right. And I know that Pokemon doesn't have the the energy to put <laughs> into banning no. certain cards. But I think that, like, if you just, like, kept, you could kept keep things interesting by putting, like, Skyfield at one. You know, imagine, imagine the Snor Stormax just not having access to all four Skyfield and yeah. having to, to burn for the one or, like, having to play, I don't know. I think that would be interesting. I think it would be kind of cool. But, yeah. I mean, we're not Yu-Gi-Oh. For sure. I think there's definitely ways it could, I see, like, three branching paths to really get expanded to work. Um, what path one I think is the best one, and that's to really heavily monitor the format and keep up with bands in like a very rigorous way. Um, path two is, and that could path one could potentially include like a limited list as well. Um, path two is just get rid of it and say we're done with it because basically it's just an American only format with a little bit of Japanese events, um, and then like once in a blue moon, a one European person will attend a Ant Man tournament. <laughs> and then path three is to rotate it but i don't really like rotation unless they go past x and y because otherwise it's basically the same but then you just have like sun and moon to sword and shield and that feels goofy like <laughs> yeah it feels kind of lame yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I like expanded i like the breadth of expanded and uh you know if if any tcpi employee ever listens to this cast just please don't get rid of expanded it's so much fun yeah, so they have to more liberally like keep an eye on the format. I think we shouldn't have a trend right. R happen twice. <laughs> I think that's what it yeah. should be. That's true. And definitely that's what happens in Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean, they keep their cards all the way back from Legends of Blue Eyes White Dragon. Like yeah. all those cards are legal, but they monitor the game. And I, I mean, Konabi has its own problems. They like <laughs> they don't do money. a great job of it all the time. But... <laughs> and immediately putting their players into debt and and stuff like that. But like, just imagine if we just had. Uh, Somebody keeping an eye on, on how Trevenware just clapped everybody and got everybody upset. I, got, I think that's worth taking a look at. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. So I think that covered a lot of the people problems we brought up for Expanded. I guess the one other card I think is probably worth mentioning is a lot of people have calling out Shaman EX as a problematic card. Do you think that's a card that's worth potentially leaving the format? No. No, I think you need to have the... In both ends of the spectrum, whether you're stall or you're turbo, Shaman EX is a key component to having a turbo-like build. And if you're going to play a turbo-like build, part of the part of the consequences of doing so is having a two-prize liability on your bench. Yeah. So I think that is balanced. It has 110 HP. So that is Shaman's cool. Shaman's fine to me. As long as he's not worth ninety worth ninety dollars like he was in 2015, <laughs> then he's cool. <laughs> Shaman's just actually cool, too. He's just a nice guy. Yeah. A nice lad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> cool. So I think we can head over to, like, the, the question and answers from chat. Uh, if anyone who is currently in chat has anything, feel free to drop it now. Uh, JW, if you see anything, if you scroll up and see anything that you want to particularly call out to start us off. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, someone asked, uh, and, and it was answered here uh, in the chat, but uh, you only had three tropical beach in your in your top four list from collinsville can you shed any light on that yeah testing with okay i'll be completely honest 
I don't have access to four beach um, on PTCGO and <laughs> all the testing that I did with three um, and like a silent lab for Dallas, it just felt right. So when I translated my testing experience from Dallas to Collinsville, playing with three beach just felt fine. Um, there were times when I was, where I felt like a fourth beach here would feel like too much. If I, when I kept the power plant in initially, it, it would have just felt like unnecessary. And so not only did I save several hundred dollars in the process, but I felt like I had the optimal count of tropical beach in my deck. Sure. Sure. And, and the uh, optimal account of dollars in your pocket. Oh, cool. oh absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so what would have been a maybe 61st card? Would it have been the fourth beach or would it have been something else? Oh man. The, cause I'm sure that you went over just, you probably, you know, threw out so many ideas for this. I mean, I know, yeah of uh you know our, our limited testing before um richmond i think and uh just there are so many things that you could fit into this deck so so walk us there, through the 61st 62nd card there was a time where i was playing mu face collide in the deck as a way to um simply have access to get lost on the bench uh, yeah. a roto a roto tiller and it was a free retreat pokemon as well and Mew was pretty cool until i was at the gym and messaged brady botner mid mid-rep, and I was like, Munchlax, right? Like, do you think that Munchlax would be better than Mew because you can snack search as free retreat anyways, and, like, it could be just inherently better than Mew. And so we, we checked it in, and we loved it. So that was that was another card that I was considering that eventually didn't make the cut because of Munchlax superiority. Another one was instead of playing 2-1 Pyroar, I was thinking about playing 1-1 Pyroar, 1 Ditto Prism Star, and then um, make him pay Persian. Because uh-huh. make and pay, make and pay version can just you get that off once against a guy that's just been stockpiling his hand, yep, uh, for a few turns, and then yep. he's got nothing. Yep. So I think that was, but that initially hit the chopping block because we're like, what if we just rolled the dice with Durant and just? Had I, I was gonna say right, right, and you hope you hit enough resources that it can work because obviously Durant is a is a little bit more of a budget Persian where you know it's it's random. It's down to four cards, but it's random. Whereas Persian is you get to select and and you know Persian can uh, obviously you know is a better card, but the the cost of getting in into play is is a little bit tougher there. So I feel like. In the end, yeah, probably Durant just fulfilled all your needs in, uh, and gave you one more card slot to work with. Yep, exactly. Cool. Um, anything that uh, anything that you want to say about the standard format? How are you feeling? Are you playing uh, planning to play any more Pokemon here in the in the upcoming month or so? There, oh man, like my my next event guaranteed a uh, big one. I should say is probably going to be Fort Wayne, and that's not until May. Yeah. So, like, right now, I'm just trying to get my life together. We're just, I'm, just gonna, I'm looking at the standard format. I'm thinking ADPZ seems like the best deck uh, far and large. I'm hoping that the uh, that whatever happens in Malmo or in Toronto shakes things up a little bit because I'm looking at this format, and I'm just thinking, this looks like boring stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so, ADPZ is well, not a John Mastawi deck. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, like, just... The main, like if you you can accelerate energy with Sashin, which is cool, but having to hard attach two energy to ADP and just praying that it doesn't get uh, disrupted or like one thing I was kind of brainstorming in my head was like what if I played like wait and see hammer with like Tikaram mm-hmm. and like some a, a call to Andrew Mahone maybe some order pack you know I think that'd be kind of spicy <laughs> kind of cool kind of fun 
But, I mean, at the same time, if you don't find the wait-and-see hammer, you just get bodied, and then you just wasted, you know, whatever the cost of registration was, and you have to go home. So, um, <laughs> we're, we're just trying to be fiscally responsible for the next few months until uh, Fort Wayne rolls around and hope it, I think that's when Rebel Clash should come out, correct? I think it was the first Sounds one. Sounds right. about yeah. All right, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, when that comes out, because there seems to be some pretty interesting cards in there that I'm ready to explore. And that'll be a new format, so I think that'll be a time... Uh, when four to take advantage of the chaos. <laughs> exactly. So to get yeah. the figures turned in to come up with something cool for that tournament. Very cool. Jesse asking in chat, do you think we'll see similar results in Charlotte with Trevnoir being the most of day two? Or do you think people will figure it out and it sees less success? Obviously, assuming they don't do any sort of emergency banning. Right. I mean, at, at this point, it looks like TPCI there. We've got the whole coronavirus thing going on, so they're more concerned about canceling the UIC and uh, right. streaming That's Malmo. Tragedy, man. I, uh, that is, hey, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do. But I think, right, uh, for safety first. Again, oh yeah, of course, of course. We want to make sure that we're alive for for NAIC and for Worlds, hopefully. Hopefully. But, um, <laughs> Dude, a hundred thousand cases globally. Like, yeah, that's we just cracked a hundred cases. Hey, that's crazy. That's it's wild. Um, but uh, in turn, back on topic, I think that we can expect a lot of people just going brain dead, copying the same sixty, going in with Trevnor. But those that have the time to bounce from Toronto to Charlotte to maybe fix up their Turbo Dark list, I don't think that that matchup is good for Turbo Dark even, um, unless they have a an amazing first turn. But yeah. who knows? Who knows? I'd be. I'm, I'm writing an article that'll be published in a few days. I wouldn't mind going back with a similar 60, stall 60 for that tournament. I will not be attending. But um, seeing as there won't be any bans, or as there's likely not going to be any bans, I'd, I'd predict a similar meta. Is there yeah. anything that you could do in stall to help improve it versus Trevnor? Um, I think that. You have to go second. That's first and foremost. You have to go second. <laughs> yeah. You can attend. You you can't. Um, maybe a fourth beach would be good. Maybe you just spend the money and do it. I mean, you have to have. You have to give yourself enough opportunity, enough turns to, to draw out of it. I think Adler did a really good job with his wall stall deck by being really heads up and playing Reggie Gigas. A hundred HP means that Trevnor is not going through it on, in one hit. So it'll give you another turn to hope and pray. So I, that's, that's unfortunately the route you have to take when you're against that deck. And I think the Regigigas is heads up. So I would probably tech in one of those and swap that out for the birds. Um, mm. The birds were, they were, they were okay, but I think they, they would have been better with if I had the Regigigas instead. And I think that you can play, um, I think you can play another counter catcher perhaps, or maybe even going the four sub route might be, that might be worth, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to be testing yeah. for that format. I'll keep an eye on it for sure, but uh, I'm going to be chilling for a little bit. For sure. Cool. For sure. Yeah. Cool. I think uh, think we've about covered everything that I had. Do you have any other questions you want to ask, John? Well, John, I just want to say, uh, you know, it's been great having you. Do you have any shout-outs that you'd like to uh, that you'd like to give here on the cast? Hey, uh, yeah. First and foremost, shout out to you guys for hosting this uh, for hosting this pod. I think you guys do a great job every week. I look forward to listening to you guys every week. So keep up the great content. Um, shout out to Brady and Brian Hunter for being my testing partners for um, the Collinsville Regional. 
um, without their help and their um, their big brains, I would not have been able to take it back to the success that it did. And um, I think that's about it. Oh, shout out to Colton Day for just being a pleasure and just being a homie. That He's was, a nice that was guy, so much fun for sure. Yeah. Oh, lovely individual. Yeah, you had a really a really good set of opponents, I'm sure. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it was a blessing. Another reason to play the Pokemon Trading Card game. If you get if you hit the if you if you had the string of opponents that I had during my weekends, you'd, you'd come back every weekend to play. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Cool. Well, thank you so much as well for joining us, John. We really appreciate it. you. Have some great insight. And for those of you who want to check out John some more, he isn't big on social media, but he does write for Team Rocket's Hideout. So you can buy his articles individually, even if you, even if you hate every other writer on that site, you can just buy John's. So he's got some great <laughs> stuff for you out there. And with that, we'll be coming to a close. We appreciate all you guys for listening. Be sure to rate and review on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you listen on, and we'll catch you next time. Peace.